0: Welcome back to Animation Broadcast and Cinema. My name is Bo Allen.
1: I am Jacob Rodier,
0: And we are a little late getting this one out because we have had very busy weeks. I got very fortunate in that I was able to go see UGA win a national championship. and Congrats. May, and yeah, may or may not have had a few beers there um, <laughs> and have been a little tired. Uh, Jacob got to do
1: some fun stuff. You want to give us a little bit about that because I know we're going to get into it later. Um, yeah, I went to L.A. for a week, visited some friends, uh, got the full L.A. experience, went to all the, the spots, got shown around to all the, all the tourist spots, um, and also went to a bunch of cool screenings, um, and it was a lot of fun. I, uh, we saw Jeff Goldblum, who's one of our theaters, um, Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson were roaming around near us. Uh, we <laughs> tried to go to a restaurant, but they uh, shut down the whole restaurant so we couldn't go because <laughs> they wanted it all to themselves. <laughs> Which is fair, I get it. Um, I walked on to an HBO show, The Flight Attendant, with Kaylee Kuwoko, right on the pier of Santa Monica. They were just filming right there, and we walked on and were extras in the background, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I, I got the full LA experience, which was pretty cool.
0: LA is a really really fun town. Yeah. Um, I got to go there. To. Uh, I got there. I got to go there in two thousand. 17 when uga played in the rose bowl that year nice um but we got to go all around la it was very very fun um, oh yeah i got
1: to go see back. the um now old Staples center which is now the crypto.com arena yes <laughs> so I saw a bunch of crypto ads everywhere it's pretty that interesting is,
0: that's where the los angeles clippers play i like that team a little bit
1: i i find it fascinating that they included the dot-com in the arena like it's crypto.com arena I, not crypto arena know.
0: I hate the freaking name change. <laughs> I hate it so yeah, much. Yeah, Stable
1: Center is just so iconic. Uh, now exactly. we're going to crypto.com. Like, I don't hate crypto, but like, crypto.com? Come on.
0: I'll tell you what I hate, though. That freaking crypto commercial that's
1: Matt come Damon. out with
0: Matt Damon. We've talked about that on here before, I think, though.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> So
0: it's the worst commercial I've ever seen. It's just so
1: obvious he has no idea what he's talking about.
0: I don't even think they told him it was a crypto commercial. (laughs) It it doesn't seem like one until the very end when it only says crypto.
1: He doesn't even say the word crypto at all. It's
0: ridiculous. It's... mm. All right. Let's talk about movies. (laughs) Got a little off track. All right. So do you have anything that you're super pumped for in January? I think we're getting the finally distribution of the Tragedy Macbeth, right?
1: um yeah i think that's going to apple tv i think very soon uh it it just i think it just started coming out in theaters though right um it came out end of december
0: oh did they start screening it then i thought they were holding off till i thought like that was when it was like i don't know i i could not keep track of what was going on that movie but it hasn't been playing in any big theaters uh, around me uh Except for one indie theater, so oh interesting, I re- it really wasn't on my radar, and I usually check the indie theater, but I guess I just haven't recently.
1: Yeah, it was definitely playing near me, but I saw it in L. A. Um, this past week, right. and it was definitely a Macbeth movie. Was it I remember, good? I, mean, I remember watching it, and just like especially in the first like ten minutes, and they started speaking Shakespearean language, and I was like, oh, oh God, did you fall asleep? no i did not fall asleep my friend did though for like half the movie (laughs) no but it was it was just like it takes a minute to like adjust to like that level you have to like get on their wavelength and it took me a minute to do that but once i was on the wavelength i was fucking in i loved it it was great every shot was and composition was so perfect like everything was like it was almost too perfect like everything was just spot on (laughs) Like, the black and white was gorgeous, but just, like, the way people were placed, the way the light was shown, like, everything was so direct, and you can tell that, like, Joel Cohen definitely had, like, a, a big vision when he was making this, and it was just, like, a beautiful to watch it in, like, full display. Um, it, it was basically just the the normal Macbeth story. He didn't really change anything <laughs> throughout, um, but it was still a fun watch, and he kept it very visually interesting the whole time. Well, I'm excited for it. Um, Denzel can... was freaking amazing. McDormand was just alright. She was kind of just eh, but what? Denzel. are you ba- are you making a joke? No, I do not think I've McDormand never, was that
0: good. I've never watched, walked away from a movie with her in it and thought, eh, she's alright.
1: She was just alright in this one to me. I don't know. Really? I think Phoning? maybe because Denzel was just so good that he kind of uh. blew everyone else out of the water. But I don't know. McDormand was just eh. She kind of just, like played herself. I just kept thinking Frances McDormand the whole time.
0: Hmm. Interesting
1: But overall yeah It was a great movie It was very visually pleasing
0: Was a little bit Of a phone in from her Just a little phone in I
1: don't think It was a phone in But I think she was there For other reasons <laughs> hmm. If you know what I mean No She's married To Joel Cohen Oh yeah I forgot about <laughs> that <laughs> I totally forgot about that <laughs> um, So yeah I think it was a little bit Of a bias for that role
0: yeah, I uh, you know looking at it, not January has started off a little slower, which has been good for me because I got to finally catch up on Nightmare Alley. Mm, what um, you think? I very much enjoyed it. I know I was talking to you after I saw it. Uh, I, I agree with everybody pretty much. It's it's a pretty bloated movie, yeah. but I think, and I it hurt me to say it. I think the only stuff that you really could have cut out was a lot of the carnival stuff like a lot of it wasn't super necessary but it was the best part which i think is why so much of it was left in there yeah it was the most interesting stuff but it a lot of it was the least least necessary for the plot like
1: yeah like it definitely could have been way shorter but yeah when you think about it it's tough to see like what you want to cut because everything everything kind of does is needed for like character development and it, it helps progress not just the story but just like the The characters themselves, um, right? So when you get to the end, it's like very satisfying. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought it was a it was a good movie. It was just it was way too long in some parts.
0: Yeah, it's not Guillermo del Toro's best, and no. I really, really, I wanted to love it, but like I couldn't. But I re I really liked it. it's yeah. not a bad movie by any means. It's Cooper gave of, an amazing performance. Bradley Cooper was freaking great in it. Yeah, I, I mean everybody was really great in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's, well, it's, it's not one of his top movies, which hurts. Cause I Guillermo has Superman. been pushing
1: the, uh, black and white version that he made. Cause I oh, guess I'm gonna that's watch
0: the shit out of that.
1: He said that's like the one he originally intended, but I guess studios didn't want to do it that way. Um, but yeah, black and white kind of sounds interesting for this cause it is kind of has that noir feel to it. I would watch
0: the hell out of that. That sounds fantastic.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be on the DVD or Blu ray.
0: Um, yeah, we don't get any more Guillermo until Pinocchio, which probably is right. coming this year. I. Live it's action. A, dar- a dark version, too. Like. Mm hmm. That's right up his alley. I would love a fucked up Pinocchio story. Yeah. <laughs> I would love a fucked up Pinocchio story Hell so yeah. much.
1: He's got a dark past. Mm hmm.
0: I mean, shit, the animated one at times, you're like, what are we, uh, what are we doing here? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, yeah. I'm excited for that. It should be good. Yeah, man, me too. Um, are, are there any movies? There's one big one for me, but are there any uh, particular movies you have left this month that are really catching your eye?
1: No, January, it's dry season. Um, Oh, well, actually, today I just bought some Sundance tickets because Sundance went online. So I was, I uh, went online right when they went live and I bought um, tickets to see, um, I'm already forgetting the name. Cooper Rave's new movie. He made shit house, which won South by Southwest last year. Mm -hmm. Um, His film got into Sundance and it's called (gasps) Cha-Cha real smooth. Um, So I'm seeing that uh, the second to last week in January online. Um, and I really want to see Jesse Eisenberg' directorial debut, but it's sold out in seconds called When You Finish Saving the World, so I couldn't even get to see that one. Um, but, yeah, maybe I might see if there's any other ones that are still available, and maybe I'll buy one more to see.
0: Um, I'm looking at it right now. There's a decent amount still available of uh, single s- uh screenings.
1: Yeah, that's the ones I did. Um, and also, by the way, for anyone out there who is interested, there is a 50% off coupon um, on their website for ages 18 to 25. It's like the young adult coupon, I guess. Um, hmm. But yeah, you can get 50% off, which is really nice.
0: Uh, Cha-Cha Real Smooth is sold out.
1: Oh, I got in. Nice.
0: Yeah. Um. There's some interesting titles here. I will have to come back to that. Um, yeah, it
1: was 10 bucks, which was awesome.
0: That's very, very good. Or maybe I can just tell them I run a podcast and they'll send me
1: screens <laughs> for free. <laughs> Doubt <laughs> uh, it. I don't know if we're on that level yet. Um, uh, well, but, yeah, that, that's it for me. Like, it's just the, the Sundance movies. I'm probably not going to see anything in theaters until February. Yeah, this is probably a, – a, well, for, in my case,
0: uh, this is going to be a catch-up on movies kind of time period for yeah. me. I think I'm going to go see The King's Man this weekend. Just Ooh, okay. I'm, I'm a big fan of those Kingsman movies. Yeah, um, they're great. And then tonight, though, we're recording this on Thursday when we usually release – I am going to a premiere showing of Scream, the fifth Ooh. in the franchise, uh, A iconic horror series that I am a very, very big fan of.
1: Is it a sequel or a reboot?
0: It is. I think it's like what they're doing with Halloween where it's like mm. following all the events of it but, like, also rebooting the style of it okay. to, like, modernize it and make it a little less corny because it does get a little corny towards the end but, like – That's also the thing with Scream. It's hard to tell, like, what's corny on purpose and what's corny on accident because they, while being legitimate horror films or slasher films, make fun of the slasher model. Right. So it's tough to see if, like, they fucked something up and they're being corny (laughs) on accident or if they're doing it to make fun of other slashers. But uh, I think that's a lot of what makes these movies fun. And, like, they're real. I mean, they're great at building suspense and. Always good twists and stuff like that. I mean, it's a, it's, a, they're really fun movies. And, uh, I haven't seen any reviews about it, but I've heard, Jacob has told me that it's done well. Yeah, uh, it's getting pretty good fans. reviews. And, uh, I just want them to, yeah, I just hope they do, uh, their best to, like, honor Wes Craven's original vision of it because this is the only one that he hasn't directed. He did all four of the original Screams. Um, and I've listened to and read some oral histories and, like, everybody wanted to do really well on this movie. Like literally like for West, this movie is dedicated to him and he's such a Titan of the horror genre and the slasher genre that, um, it's gotta be hard to make this movie, you know, in his wake. And, uh, I imagine, uh, for what was his name? David Gordon green who did Halloween, 2018 and Halloween kills. Um, it's gotta be hard to make a movie that, uh, it was directed by John Carpenter. It's got to be hard to touch something right. so heralded. So I imagine they 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 put all, their all into it. You know, I'm, I'm not expecting a flop.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the IMDb right now. It has a great meta score. It's got 65, which is pretty With, good for these type of films.
0: Uh, that's, like, perfect for a slasher.
1: Yeah, um, and, like, a lot of reviews are in the green, which is great. Um, right. And the user reviews are good, too. Some people are saying it would make Wes proud good that's i mean that's literally the most important part to me like
0: um hey, i'm with slashers with you it's always a 50 50 shot on if you've seen them have you seen nightmare on elm street the animated one what no never mind i have not the animate no there's no animate
1: freddy krueger kills you in your dreams right right and no, i've not seen that
0: jesus Christ. well that's another west craven movie and they remade that movie in like 2009 or 2010 and they had uh what's his name i think it's jackie earl haley who played rorschach in Watchmen. yeah jackie earl haley um take over as freddy krueger from robert england who was an icon in the role and honestly jackie earl haley not a bad choice but he's not robert england and they did this weird thing where everybody it's like the late 2000s 2000, start beginning of 2010. So everybody's like emo and alt and all this weird shit. And it was terrible. It was not good. Mm. It hurt my soul. Like, I, my review of it on Letterboxd is wow, it was really bold of them to actually take a shit on Wes Craven's grave in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Um, but. Yeah, that was like a half a star movie for me. And like, if you know me, I don't like to hate movies. Like, I like to—I I think a lot of movies are fun. But fuck that movie.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: there is no redeemable qualities about that movie. Oh, it was so bad. So, when, I'm always wary when I see like a Halloween or a Scream. But Halloween yeah. kind of like revi- like gave me hope for this movie, honestly, because Halloween was really well done. But you haven't seen it, so who cares? You've only seen. I'll get around
1: to it. Yeah, you'll get around to it. (laughs) Um, What have you seen recently? Um, Yeah, I'll go through what I saw in LA. So the first screening I went to was a Dennis Hopper film called Out of the Blue, which originally came out in 1980. But then I guess got it was shot on film, so it got lost or it got scrapped or or something happened to it where it like disappeared for a while. And these two producers who were good friends with Dennis Hopper, um, I guess, found one of the cuts and did have been working on it for like 10 years to restore it. So this is like a 35 millimeter 4K restoration of it. And they re-released it in 2019, I guess, and submitted to a bunch of festivals. It did pretty well. And this was the premiere of, I guess, out of festivals, like in theaters now. Um, so it was really cool. Natasha Leon was supposed to be there, but she couldn't cause, uh, cause of COVID, but this is like her favorite movie ever. Um, it was a really good movie. It was, it's, it's kind of, it reminded me a lot of like Sean Baker's films. Like it kind of, um, takes a spin on like lower class America and deals with a lot of like coming of age relationships. And it was a downward spiral the whole time. Um, but it was really well done and very impactful by the end. Um mm-hmm. so I really liked that. It was really cool. And there's a Q&A with the producers afterwards, which was cool to hear their story and how it got made. Um Then I also saw Inherent Vice and in thirty five millimeter, which was really awesome to see that on film and projection. Um I've seen it before, but it was great seeing it with a full audience. There's a lot of laughter, it's just a, a tons of fun the whole time. Um and then yeah, I saw Enemy with the q a and A with Denis Villeneuve, which we'll we'll get into a little a little bit.
0: I was about to say, sit on that one for a second. Yeah. Um, You know, your whole, this is pretty off topic. I was about to start with what I had seen this week, um, but you reminded me, so this might just be interesting to a very niche group of people, uh, talking about a a film that was lost. You know, um, I remember recently, actually, do you know about the movie The Other Side of the Wind? Because I just heard about this movie. I have not. So it came out in 2018, But it was shot in, like, it started production in 1970 and was on and off until 1976. And it was made by Orson Welles. Oh. And it was, it's pretty much like a, it's kind of like an autobiographical thing. It follows like this director and he's trying to get a movie made and it's like a film within a film, but it's about Orson Welles kind of mm-hmm. just like everything he did was about himself pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it's it stars, Peter Bogdanovich actually, who just passed recently. Right. peace. so they, these, a, cou- a couple producers, I think, I can't remember who exactly it was. I'm actively trying to look for it while I'm talking, but, they, these guys found it pretty much and edited it all together because it was never edited. And it's actually missing some parts. So they like, I, I don't know how they did it, but they f- added in the footage that was supposed to be there and released it on Netflix in 2018.
1: Did they reshoot those missing scenes? I, I have no idea what what it
0: was what was done i need to kind of, i i need to kind of look into it i feel it like a if they reshot
1: it it would be very hard to match the distinct style of how it was shot back then
0: i don't know but they also put it into 4k by scanning it yeah and put and it's a really cool process for how it was made and they edited it in 16 and 35 millimeter footage yeah that's awesome and so uh and netflix bought it and put it out it's still on there um, is it good? See. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, okay, <laughs> but okay. you just reminded me about it. It's on my list. In January 2018, a rough cut of the film was screened for a small select group of invite-only attendees. Among those were producer Philip Jan Rymza, Riz- uh, directors Paul Thomas Anderson, Quentin Tarantino, and Ryan Johnson. Nice. Ac- actors Danny Houston, who is the star son of the film star John Houston, Crispin Glover, for some reason – and Peter Bogdanovich and Lou Race and Neil Kant and Peter Jason who were in the movie uh were there too. That's very and cool. So yeah. It is out. It is uh, a, a cool idea too. Um and you know, yeah. something recently happened like that with the George Romero movie. I don't think that one was as well uh accepted or reviewed. I think it was a little bit more hyped up than um people thought like, you know, people thought it would be a lot better than it was. Mm.
1: Well, speaking of Tarantino, I went by. Tarantino has his own theater in L.A., and so mm-hmm. there there were no good movies showing when I was there. But I walked by it, and it was really cool. He had a lot of his um, set pieces in the theater, which is cool to see. Like a lot of stuff from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, his theater is very very cool. I haven't seen it, but yeah. it's that's just a cool thing to. I also passed the ArcLight Theater, which is now closed, unfortunately. But it's yeah. cool to see that in person.
0: I remember I, all everybody that I know in L.A. was just mourning
1: that theater. Yeah, and It sounds like it was the best. There are rumors it's coming back, but we'll see.
0: I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if somebody bought it and revitalized it.
1: Yeah, I think that's what's happening,
0: but I think it's in the works. Um, so, what I... I'll, I'll just real quick do what, hit what I've been watching. I did Nightmare Alley, which we've talked about. I re-watched uh, this movie called Stardust, which I watched for the first time in this uh, film class that I was in in high school, and it's a fantasy movie, and it's a really, really cool one, actually. It stars Charlie Cox, and uh, Robert De Niro is also in it, playing a pirate. Claire Danes is in it. Michelle Pfeiffer's in it. Uh, Ricky Gervais is in it. Ian McClellan is in it. He's the narrator. Peter O'Toole. Oh, it's um, Matthew Vaughn. That's cool. Henry Cavill. What?
2: Matthew Vaughn
1: directed Matthew
0: it. Vaughn directed yep. Um, and it's a really, really good fantasy movie, honestly. And... I, I mean, it's a it's a blast to watch. I highly recommend it. Mm. Uh, I think it got pretty bad critical reviews, but like the f- the f- fan reviews are re- are pretty good. I mean, people just enjoy it. And another movie that isn't uh, that people really seem to enjoy that I watched was Gravity, the Alfon- Alfonso Cuaron movie. For the
1: first time. For the first time. Oh, nice.
0: And also, what I realized was my first Alfonso Cuaron. Oh, well, except for Harry Potter, but. My oh first wow. Stephenson here on besides Harry Potter and I, I really I mean I was like this fucking guy made Roma? Like I haven't seen Roma yet, but this does not seem like somebody who made Roma like
1: <laughs> They yeah, they're, they're kind of opposite films. Uh, but
0: the technical ch- achievements in it and the unreal. Fucking, oh my god, the the dialogue
1: wasn't very good, but I saw that in IMAX and I was just blown away. That's was, what that's one of the best theater experiences I've ever had, honestly. I,
0: uh, I, I would have felt like I was in space. I remember yeah. I didn't watch it because I was like, oh, this kind of seems like it's going to be boring. Like, I'm not mm. – I was like "I people in I liked it. I thought it was good. In space. I liked it too. I mean, it's not like one of my favorite movies ever. I, it's definitely something I could put on when I'm bored mm-hmm. and, like, just ha- as a rewatchable. It's very exciting.
1: Yeah, it's thrilling. Um, the sound design was crazy the too. The sound
0: design it was insane. Yeah. And I was reading stuff about it, and they had to, like – put guitar chords underwater because there's no Mm. sound in space so the only sound because like stuff unless something collide there's nothing for it to bounce off of you know there's no So like like the only sounds would come when she's touching the metal because the vibrations that was be the only time that it would register in her head Mm -hmm. and so it had to be like stuff was
1: colliding underwater like it was crazy did you see the big uh, like robotic arm they were attached to when they were filming this movie yeah. It's so cool to see them like, dangling off like the green screen in the arm. Really it cool. It
0: looked like, I mean, what I, from what
1: I read about it, it looked like
0: hell for Sandra Bullock to film this movie. She was in these suits for
1: so long. Oh, yeah. Like, ugh. But I'm sure it helped their performances, too.
0: I mean, yeah. Oh,
1: um, but, yeah, definitely check out Karan's other work because it's fantastic. Romo's Incredible and Children of Men. Um. Yes, both of those are on my list.
0: I... Have been putting off Roma for a very long time for some reason. I should have. I probably should have watched Roma before I watched Hand of God because they're similar in that they're like autobiographical, mm, they but are. not really. But yeah. like you know, um, and uh, yeah, that's on my list.
1: Roma also has incredible sound design. Um, I'm very very excited for that one.
0: Um, oh, and I also something you've been telling me to do for ye- literal years is watched Mind Killer. I started my oh, mind, yes. hunter, mind Hunter. Mind not Hunter, not Mind Killer. Hunter. Yeah. Um, and I tried to start it like a month ago. I texted you. I think I was like, I'm finally starting it. Mm-hmm. And then I like fell asleep in the first episode cause I was just <laughs> dog tired from something. And then I get back from Indianapolis. I, or I had started it right before I, I left and realized I couldn't download episodes for my flight. So I was like, shit, like I couldn't download them on my laptop, but I didn't want to watch them on my phone. And so I came back and I ripped through season one, the rest of it. I watched like three seven episodes in three days or something oh yeah it's um, gripping man what's your end you're in i mean and it's david fincher to the max i was like this oh, is a yeah. 10 hour david fincher movie my brain is all over the place i love it
1: and season two is even better
0: um and like i haven't uh, i think one of the biggest reasons that i wanted to watch it is because i just got that david fincher book and that's one of like mm. i i haven't uh, mind hunter is one of the only things i hadn't seen and then i hadn't seen uh panic room is the last mm. one I haven't seen from him and so I was like okay I gotta watch mind I haven't gotten to that part in the book yet um but I've gotten to some of the films he shot before then that were crime movies like this and right. about serial killers like seven you know and so they talk so much about how he shoots everything on these sharp angles you know and like seeing it for 10 hours is really jarring which is what it's supposed to be because it's you it, it, everything's is so sharp but like all the characters are slipping like into all these different places from where they started yeah and it's it is an experience of a show man
1: and it's really cool seeing the depictions he does of all these actual serial killers
0: the interviews that they do in the in the m- show were real interviews like yeah. word for word that's mm-hmm fucking chilling yeah oh jesus yeah, scary I, I love david fincher and i hate ed kemper <laughs> <laughs> he's first, so good though oh my god that actor is amazing i was like why is this guy not in more stuff oh my god
1: and they like nailed his appearance too like he almost looks exactly like the, the actual guy oh my god i like it is
0: spot on and It is terrifying. It is. Mm. And he's so calm and just seems so, Fred, so fucking freaky, man. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Oh, I just Googled Ed Kemper real quick, and people sell T-shirts with his face on it. Some of them are the actor, though. Fair. But some of them are not, and, like, it's <laughs> girls modeling them. That's serial killer – this is a different episode, but that's serial – like, we, this is the serial killer talk, we could do a different time when we do an actual serial killer movie, but the serial killer groupie thing, I've never understood it. So weird. It is very weird. All right. um, So we're getting very close to the Oscars, which I am excited for. We are. I get, I'm excited for that month of them when we get to have a lot of fun with – um picking what we think you know will win and talking about the process of how these things usually work and maybe even going back and changing a couple of the oscars that we think aged poorly um that's a tease for the future though they just announced that they will have a host this year yeah frankly i didn't know did they have a host last year no do you ever give a shit if who the host is
1: oh yeah i think i do
0: really Who's a host that you were like, fuck yeah? This Ricky Gervais. Was not, he the ho- when did he host the Oscars? Was it before or three after? Five years ago. Was it I thought it was the oh, go- that was the Golden Globes. Sorry, it was the Globes. You're right. Which is which is why he was like, Okay, I can do my none of this shit
1: matters because it's the globes and the globes actually don't matter. You're totally right. It was Ricky Gervais. For the globes. Um <laughs> exactly. then, no, then actually then yeah, I don't think there are any like memorable Oscar hosts. Um I think I remember – They're usually like late-night hosts, I feel like, that host the Oscars.
0: I was about to say one year when we did it um, – or not when we did it. uh, Jimmy Kimmel was really, really good at it.
1: Yeah, he was solid.
0: that was actually the last one. He did two in a row. He did uh, Moonlight's win and Shape of Water's win. Right. And then they haven't had a host since.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because viewership was kind of just, like, going down because of how long it was. And the host was just taking up a lot of that slot time.
0: Neil Patrick Harris's was really good mm, in 2015
1: yeah. when Birdman won. Yep.
0: Um, uh, this aged poorly, but I remember watching uh, in 2011 when James Franco and Anne Hathaway did it. Oh yeah. Uh, did not age well, but they were good. James Franco yeah. not 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 so much
1: anymore. No, I feel like all the Oscar hosts are like they're pretty decent when they host. It's just like it takes up a lot of time and people get uninterested after a little bit. Hurt Locker year was
0: Steve Martin and Alec Baldwin. That's a really good one.
1: But I I understand them bringing it back because we talked about this before. I think you brought this point up is that they need viewership. So whatever catchy or trendy host is going to do that, they're going to choose them.
0: Well, here's the thing. I saw murmurings and this is not necessarily. It's a a big rumor. Do Do you know what I'm about to say? Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Yeah. I don't know if I'd necessarily love that.
1: I think he would be a terrible host uh yeah i don't like tom holland my just guy. because he's way too young like he can't be making jokes about these all these established actors and directors when he's like just getting started you know right then again he is spider-man like everyone's gonna be laughing at him because he's a kid like I, I can see him being like really meta about it the whole time but i don't It'd know i funny. feel like yeah i think it, it could kind of work but i just think he's too young at this age to, to host the oscars out of all things
0: um i think my guy should stay away from
1: that one (laughs) and you know let's. but i i do feel if he was the host it would bring in a ton more viewership because everyone would be fascinated by what he does
0: well it's the it's also the no way home effect like we were talking about if no way home was nominated a lot of viewership would jump up as well yep um and i mean i think i mean dune's gonna be nominated so we're already gonna get the timothy chalamet we're gonna get the zendaya well, we will double the Zendaya because her screen time in No Way Home goes up so high so that <laughs> even more Zendaya people will jump in and care. But Tom Holland would definitely bring viewership. What I'm worried about is it'll make people turn it off. <laughs>
1: yeah, it could.
0: And not necessarily saying, like, Tom Holland's not a funny, enthusiastic, you know, charming guy. He is. He's a funny dude and is a very personable dude, clearly. Like, he has this massive following and, like... Mm-hmm. everybody's right now is like drinking from the bowl of Tom Holland. <laughs> he's in everything. And I think the problem is that it's hard. It's a long show.
1: Uh, it's just
0: too early in his career. It's, uh, it's too it's too early in his career. He's not necessarily even a comedic actor. Like he's funny yeah. in Spider-Man, but I don't – like James Franco could do it because he was funny and in a bunch of comedies. And then if you'll note, like if you look at the list – Steve Martin, Billy Crystal, Whoopi Goldberg, Chris Rock, Jon Stewart. All these people are uh, Steve Martin, Alec Baldwin, Ellen DeGeneres, Neil Patrick Harris. Like, Neil Patrick Harris does theater and knows how to control a crowd like that. Yeah, all the all rest comedians. are stand-up comedians um, or late-night show hosts like Jimmy Kimmel. and uh, So you have to be able to know how to work a room. It's not telling a joke into a camera. It's telling a joke into an auditorium full of people,
1: Yeah, which is very, very different. If Tom um, Holland got picked. He, there would be a ton of ghostwriters for him. Oh a my ton. god, yeah.
0: But ghostwriting can't teach delivery. Right. And like Hugh Jackman did it too. But once again, he's known for stage acting as well. That's a very similar thing. Mm-hmm. You have to know how to control a crowd and a uh, a group in front of you. Um, I saw Pete Davidson. People were talking about uh, I. Uh, here's the thing i really like his stand-up but i don't think he's got the right energy for an oscar host
1: yeah i think it's gonna be like downplaying it the whole time like not Uh, not as like harsh as ricky gervais but just i don't know he's just gonna be mundane the whole time right Gonna be like who cares
0: um i if in my head like if this was three years ago you get John Mulaney and Nick Kroll on it. John mm. Mulaney and Nick Kroll did the Spirit Awards, you know, the Independent Film yep. Awards, and were fucking hilarious. That's a good combo. John Mulaney's—he did like ten minutes on why his then wife wanted to. He was like, "She's fucking in love with this Timothy Chalamet kid," and like, <laughs> he could totally just reuse that bit now. But here's the thing: he's divorced from that woman, and also is engaged with to olivia munn and they just had a baby and like he also just got out of rehab so i don't know if this is just the right time in his career <laughs> for for old johnny boy
1: yeah i had uh i think paul rudd would be a good host paul rudd would rock yeah i, I think don't that know would be so much fun because he's he's
0: not a stand-up comedian but he also but like it, it's clear when he's been in front of big crowds on like late night shows or interviews in front of just big groups of people. He knows how to like Comic-Con interviews. He can work a room. Yep. And he's got the right energy for it.
1: Yeah. I also add Brendan Fraser. Cause why not? Brendan <laughs> Fraser would be great. Um, yeah. He might be too big for this, um, but he's been, he's been like, well, no, 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 or just, no disappeared for so long that i feel like this would be like his little comeback you know
0: it would be a good welcome home i was what i was gonna say was with he might be too big for this but um somebody who's pretty enthusiastic and funny and can work a room i was thinking and not to go back into the marvel pot but uh, robert downey jr what's he up to
1: something right
0: like that That would draw in some
1: fucking viewership too oh totally yeah i don't know i feel like that's not his cup of tea though like i don't think he would say yes to that
0: i think i mean he likes when people laugh at his jokes <laughs> i mean he really does and i think i don't think that's something you can underestimate man like it's it's he's 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 sober but that seems to be his drug is the public eye and like people you know appreciating him and his wit yeah and this he's got the i think the right type of dry humor to do it like Billy Crystal and Steve Martin very dry humor and very successful like Billy Crystal did it nine times uh, I also
1: think like uh, another like Steve Martin or like Martin Short combo would be great for the Oscars Steve
0: Martin and Martin Short would rule especially yeah. coming back with a TV show from the two of them all oh, right yeah I mean that's oh, yeah. perfect timing yeah I, th- I th- wait you just said that
1: I think that's pretty realistic, honestly.
0: Wait, but like you just you didn't even factor in the show right there? You were I just totally like, oh, Yeah. Show.
1: I mean I <laughs> didn't <laughs> Selena Gomez too. That would bring some people in. That would be really funny. Yeah, the three of them. Oh man, I can't believe you didn't even
0: like catch on. Like you didn't realize what you did right there.
1: <laughs> I totally forgot about that show. But yeah, Steve um, Martin, Martin Short. I mean, they're just like uh iconic combo. Right. Let's get Gal Gadot to do it. <laughs> Uh, Oh, my God. (laughs) That's probably the most realistic, honestly.
0: But also the worst. God, she's like a wooden board.
1: Yeah, it would be Gal Gadot, The
0: Rock, and Ryan Reynolds. Oh, God, I would die. I've (laughs) still never seen Red Notice, and I never will. Um, Quick Gal Gadot tangent before we move on, because I I unfortunately, I don't know why I brought her up. Um, (laughs) She needs to get back in the Fast and Furious franchise. She needs to figure out a way to claw back in there, because those movies, perfect for her. Perfect for her yeah
1: she's been great in them i mean she's because she she doesn't need to do anything
0: like any actual acting all she has to do (laughs) is stand there and let like the random russian billionaire touch her ass and then (laughs) she lets han flirt with her and then we're good like we're in and out and she gets to shoot guns and you know she she plays a badass trick yeah um Um, i also had
1: keanu reeves i thought he would be a fun oscar host
0: another great time for him too he is yeah. rocking everything my number one actor on my letterboxd um I, i'm always down to see some keanu reeves
1: yeah i think it'll be a fun time
0: um bill and ted three he just came out matrix just came out um john wick four coming out john wick five being filmed like right now <laughs> um, yeah he's got a lot of hype around him i mean i and i hope it never gives away he wants to he says he have you seen the have you seen constantine no it's it's a dc movie and but it's not in the dc eu it was made like in the i want to say mid late 2000s maybe okay or early 2010s and um and so he's like he's like a he sees like these evil spirits because there's always spirits in like comic worlds and stuff and um he's in like the dark justice league and stuff but he's it's a fun fucking movie. It's on HBO Max, I think. Uh, if you're not watching it tonight, watch that. Kay. Like It's it's worth the time. It's just fun Keanu. And he said he wants to revisit the character, which I would ah, be out cool. for. Um, why not in this DC multiverse shit? Yeah, true. All right. Um, you got any more left on your little short list? I never actually made a list. I'm just spitballing.
1: Yeah, I just made a list right before. But, uh, no, that was it.
0: All right. Well. I'm ready to talk about Enemy. Are you ready to talk about Enemy?
1: I am ready to talk about Enemy. Are you ready to talk about Enemy? I I actually don't know if I'm ready to talk about (laughs) Enemy. This movie is fucking crazy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're
0: going to take a quick break, and y'all are going to get a fun ad read, and we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Bo here to tell you about our sponsor, Album Book Club. It is a book club, but, you know, for albums, and uh, they have weekly picks that they put out on their Twitter, at Club one and they uh, have curators that choose picks week by week. Uh, it can range from hip-hop to bluegrass to death metal to indie to pop. It's all over the place. Uh, it's a great way to discover new music. I've been following them and working with them for quite some time. They also put out their magazines on albumbookclub.com. They just put out an issue with Osar and Paris Price. Uh, they have great merch over there. It's all great looking stuff. Um, definitely check them out. Give the Twitter a follow. Give the page um, a look. It's great stuff. You're not going to be disappointed. Good way to discover music. Let's get back to the movie. We are back and we are going to talk about a little bit of Enemy or a lot of bit of Enemy, which is uh directed by Denis Villeneuve and came out in 2013. Um came out after Prisoners, but I just learned was shot before Prisoners. Yep. Um which we'll talk about a little bit of that I think in a in a minute. Do you want to give us what it's about? I already said who directed it, my bad. <laughs>
1: um yeah, so Enemy, which is directed by Denis Villeneuve, um, which is based on the book called The Double by Jose Sarmago, um, stars Jake Gyllenhaal, um, Melanie Laurent, Sarah Gadon, and um, where's the last guy? Tim Post. Um, so Enemy is a drama, mystery, thriller, slash... What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, which is about a man who seeks out his exact lookalike after spotting him in a movie. Um, and yeah, shot all in Toronto. Very low budget. It's kind of just him and Jake doing their thing. Um, and yeah. Um,
0: I actually, so instead of pulling a critical review for this one, I wanted to uh, give, I I'd like to put uh, what we're doing out on Snapchat and Twitter and stuff, uh, just to let people know what we'll be watching. And so, I just wanted to s- give you some of the responses I got from friends who saw we were talking about Enemy. I got somebody who said, "Oh, great movie! Like what? What, what a mind fucked!" You know. I got one guy who said, "Fuck this movie," and I got another one who said, "Oh, I love evil New, one of my favorite directors." Oh, but I haven't heard this movie heard of this movie like I just read what it's about. I just watched the trailer uh I'm gonna check this out tonight, which are three, I think of the common reactions you get when you bring up this movie.
1: yeah, I mean, I'm looking at letterbox. one of the top <laughs> reviews is what the fuck <laughs>
0: it is almost the only way you can describe it.
1: yeah, I mean, I think it has one of the most terrifying and what the fuck moments um endings of any film ever.
0: Uh, we'll get to that ending in a minute. Um, (laughs) But first I want to talk about the acting in this movie because it is. Two of the greatest
1: stars, Jake John Hall and Jake John Hall.
0: (laughs) It is two of the greatest stars. Um, It's also, we've seen, you know, people play doubles, people play their own twins, stuff like that. We've seen it before, but I think this is completely different than anything we've Ever seen like that, you know? Like
1: one hundred percent. His
0: uh ability to become Adam and Anthony is insane. Like like Army Hammer was played twins, you know? hmm And the but Vinco it was Boss. just Ar- yes, the Vinkelboss twins. But it was just Army Hammer doing Army Hammer twice. Mm-hmm. It's not this. It is p- two guys with completely different personalities and obviously we've seen Jake Gyllenhaal play people with different You know, personalities doesn't play the same type of role in every movie, but to do it in one movie is insane to me.
1: And honestly, the personalities are not really that different. Like they're very similar, but there's small little cadences and things he does. Yeah, Yeah, that you can very. It's very distinct which person you're watching. Yeah, Um, you're right.
0: Personalities is the wrong way to put it. Mannerisms is more correct
1: yeah so I saw this with a and a Q&A with Denis Villeneuve afterwards um, unfortunately he was not in the theater because of COVID he couldn't leave Canada um, but he did a, a zoom Q&A and then one of the questions I was asked was um, you you were asked no no that that was asked you said, you, oh you said one of the questions I was asked no that was asked oh um was about that about directing Jake to play two different characters and how he went about that and I thought you s- asked him this question. I didn't, but someone else did, so they got to me before me. Oh. And he said that was a great question, so I'll take it to heart. Well,
0: the way, okay, the way you texted it to me was, oh, man, he loved that question because we were talking about it beforehand, and that's what we were going to go with.
1: Yeah, someone asked my exact question, so it's basically me asking it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, sorry. But either uh, way, I- so he said that he really – didn't give Jake that much direction. It was kind of all Jake improvising and doing those different subtleties because he's just like that good of an actor. And he also said that the teacher character, I forget which uh, one that is. I think it's um, Adam. Adam. um, That was more Denise's personality and the actor was more Jake's personality. So a lot of the times they felt like their personality is blending into each of those characters a little bit, which was interesting.
0: Man, the actor... Being Jake's personality is really gonna push some Taylor Taylor Swift agendas <laughs> that have been going on recently because that guy is a tool. Yeah, supposedly, who knows? <laughs> oh man! Um, but yeah, did you just, end up?
1: What th- did you, know, you want to say? Did
0: you end up asking him anything? No, you that coward. Was that was uh, my
1: question was answered. I was you satisfied.
0: Couldn't, you couldn't have thought of another one on the spot. Time was limited. This is why I do the interviews. <laughs>
1: He's a busy uh, man.
0: I can't believe you chickened out of asking the devil to a question.
1: I didn't chicken out. My question it was answered.
0: Like, it sounds like you chickened out. Okay. Think what you want. You, sh- well, you should have raised your hand right after and been like, but what about giving direction to the other Jake? <laughs> nah. Then just turned around to your friend and go, that was one guy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. He also said he tried to make it in every scene where – you questioned it every time of which um, Jake it was, which character it was. Uh,
0: God, it's a fucking mind fuck. Um, it is uh, one of the greatest I, – I don't want to I, – I feel like I say stuff is one of the greatest a lot. It's But it is a fucking wild performance. And it's – the whole time, m- when I watched it the first time, I w- was – obviously one thinking what is going on like what does this all mean and also just like sitting there appreciating jake gyllenhaal which i feel like i do like with a lot of his movies but this one i was like like oh my god this is unreal
1: yeah he gave one of yeah one of the best performances i think in his career
0: uh i mean it's 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 a lot this movie is a lot to process um both on Jake's part and Denise's part, because I think he—it's a smaller setting than we're used to from him. You know, like in in it, we in most recent years we've seen these massive sets and massive scales. Because the last three things we've seen him do are Arrival, Blade Runner, and Dune. Mm-hmm. Each one of those becoming bigger than the last. So I think in our mind he's become the. Oh, man, big scale, big spaceships, big, you know, set pieces, big, gorgeous landscape sci-fi director. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just where your mind goes with him. But he started off with these smaller movies and these smaller scale movies like Prisoners and like Enemy, which were shot around the same time. I actually haven't seen Sicario yet. I think I'm going to get crucified Mm -hmm. for that one. I know. So I don't know how it is in terms of, like, scale, like, of set pieces and Definitely landscapes and stuff.
1: Definitely leans towards Blade Runner Arrival and Dune.
0: Okay. So that was the beginning. Well, actually, I think you start seeing the inklings of that in this movie with his wide shots of Toronto. Mm-hmm. Especially – well, we'll get to – I'll hold this, actually. But um, – you know the trans—it's like transitions between different parts of the stories. There's always a wide shot of Toronto.
1: Yeah, and he also said during the Q and A that this was like his like, his like gift to himself that he made this movie. It's like a little like special little film that he made because I think so he made this before Prisoners. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so he made this before Prisoners, even though I think Enemy came out after Prisoners. Yes. Um, but, yeah, he said this was, like, this. he knew this was going to be, like, one of his last smaller-ish films, and he was going to go on to bigger money and bigger scale after this. Um, so, yeah, he was, like, very passionate. This was, like, a, a full passion project for him.
0: Wow, that's such a, like, yeah, I <laughs> that's amazing to be, like, I, I knew I was about to take off. So I, <laughs> I took one for them, one for me to heart. Yeah. It was, like... I'm about to make a shit ton of money and make a bunch for them. So I'm going to make one for me. One last one. That's basically what he said. (laughs) A a love letter for himself. I wonder why that was. Do you think so prisoners came out first and, um, in the, uh, notes here, I put this movie was coming off, uh, the back of prisoners, which was a, I think a really well, I, I, you know, a lot of people knew this movie and a lot of people still know this movie. Um, No Prisoners. And with this coming out after, do you think he saw where Prisoners went and was like, yeah, okay, I'm about to, like, I'm about to blow and Enemy just, like, shows me doing a bunch of really weird concept shit, like, once these two combined studios, are going to want to court me? I
1: I don't think so, because he he also talked about how much he loved the book, and as soon as he read the book, I think he wanted to make a a film based off of it. Um, Well,
0: I'm not saying, like, he knew this was coming, so he decided to just make a weird movie. I'm saying, like... Well, I would say what made him think that is is more what I'm asking. Like, I'm wondering if, like, he saw what happened with Prisoners and knew his name was getting out there, and then h- with this one he shows that he can do this weird conceptual shit and,
1: like, you know, <laughs> and, like... I thinks- don't think so. I, I think that maybe... It's tougher to make weird films when you get bigger because you're dealing with a lot of studios and stuff. So maybe right. that was his thing. He want he knew this is like a very small budget. He can do what he wanted. He had full control and he wants to go that route. Um, but I don't know. I don't think that was. I don't think he was that forward thinking. I don't think. He, I think he was just. This is a thing he was very passionate about, and he decided to make it.
0: Still wild to be able to be like, yeah, I knew like my moment was coming. Like I could see it <laughs> on the horizon. So I was like, I'm gonna make one for May.
1: Um, yeah, and one thing, one thing that he said that was very interesting to me is, well, first the book itself that it was based on does not have spiders or mention spiders once, and the one thing he said was, this film will have spiders in it. That was like the number one thing he came up with, like when from day one of making this movie, is like this movie will have spiders. That's what he <laughs> wanted from day one. Okay,
0: let's 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 back pocket the spiders thing for a second, <laughs> because I do want to get to that. Um, but there's a reason that I have that last on our lineup. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So we've already kind of started with the style of the film. The, one of the most striking things to me, I think when I first even saw like clips of this film, um, like floating around, like literally on TikTok, like I, it was the first time I had actually seen clips of this film. Um, the, the yellow brownish tent over everything. Yeah. Did you talk about that at all?
1: No one mentioned it. No. Um that's what been, you should have asked yeah, about. Yeah, should have asked him that. Um But yeah, it, it was very distinct. And yeah, it, it was yeah, very like orangey yellow. The the whole movie had a, a weird bleak tone to it. Um Yeah, it was a very interesting choice. Do you, do you kn- what's your reasoning of why you think you did that?
0: I well my f- what the the first thing that I, I thought about it actually is that looks like the common, it's almost like the common thing where like, oh, we're shooting a movie in the Middle East, we have to make everything yellow. Like, mm. you know what I'm talking about? Like, any Iraq war movie is like that, but I don't think that's what he was doing. It's just something I notice
1: I think he was just trying to make like a very surreal world where it was slightly familiar, but, but also at the same time not familiar, like yeah the stuff the spiders obviously but also yeah this this tint the whole time where it's kind of like it was also very hazy and foggy kind of the whole time too and kind of dark um but yeah when we talk about the spiders we get more into it but i i think it has more to do with like the themes of the movie itself
0: um yeah well what i was gonna say was like pretty much like i think it's just like supposed to be you know surrealist dreamlike like yeah This is you recognize these buildings, you know what the Space Needle is, but oh, why is it yellow? Like, why is everything? You know what Jake Gyllenhaal looks like? Here's here's him with yellow skin. Like here. Here's what we made everything into The Simpsons. Like (laughs) it's um, it really is. And it I want to say at first I was like, this kind of looks bad and then you settle into it and you get more used to it. Yeah. But it's but at that point it's just like in the back of your head and you're just like why is this yellow, which I think is the point.
1: Yeah, it's just it's very surreal when you're watching it. And also, I feel like there're not that many other movies that have this distinct yellow tint to it.
0: All right. So then with the storytelling, not not touching on the spiders yet. We're saving that. <laughs> um but the storytelling, it's, it's very, it's, it's supposed to make you confused and it's things like, um, at the very beginning when they're at this weird, like sex club and there are spiders there and also women dancing and stepping on spiders. And I, as I watch the movie, it makes you, it's Anthony who goes to that club, right? Like that's what that they're talking about when they talk, they're talking to Adam and they think it's Anthony and like, Oh, you got to take me back to the club or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like, I feel like you're, you're supposed to feel like that has some connection to why we're in this situation. Yeah. But it's never explained, which is very frustrating. And then there's the whole Adam goes to talk to his mom, but she talks to him like he's an actor thing yeah right and we never see them in the in the uh, same room well we see them in the same room together but there's never another person there correct or am I misremembering
1: um no when they're together they're always alone
0: and so stuff like that makes me think So there's a little part of me that's like, okay, this is all happening in one of their heads, and he's living dual lives. But then stuff like the wedding band incident when Anthony is with um, Mary, which is Adam's girlfriend, and she's like, oh, you have a wedding band, Mark. Mm -hmm. And so I can't.
1: (sighs) Well, I can give my interpretation of what I think it is. All right, go for it. I think this is, like, split personality. Like, these are both the same person. That's,
0: that's what I was just saying.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
0: What what I was saying was, I, I was saying I think it's the same person, but then stuff like the the missing... The, there was a mark where the wedding band was. Yeah. That's what she notices, not a wedding band, like a farmer's tan on it.
1: Yeah, well, I think there's some stuff that blends in between, almost. And I think they the split personality is like it's not just in his head but it's like real for other people too like especially the wife um the actor's wife is pregnant when she kind of figures it out and like starts freaking out i think she realizes that his personality kind of split in the two and she's like kind of processing it all um that i I think it's like this whole world is like yeah there is a split personality but it's not just like in his head like other people are realizing it too
0: Yeah, I mean that totally makes sense because when so I there's uh, if you want to look at it the split personality way, it totally makes sense. You could say when he gets in that car crash with Mary, she dies. That part of his life dies, and he goes on to be with Helen, Mm -hmm. who was Anthony's wife, and Helen can tell that he's not the same man that you know she married or whatever, Mm -hmm. and so you know they're just gonna like she's just like all right, this is this side of him is probably going to treat me better is what it almost seems like. Mm. Um, cause she stays with him because he, we realize he's kind of a, an, that Anthony side is kind of an asshole. Yeah. Um, and so something like that. And that would ma- make sense with the whole mom thing. But I mean, the wedding band thing is just, that still is what always, cause that makes it also makes sense for, them to actually be two different people. Like you can look at it either way. And Yeah. And I think that's like, the point.
1: Like Denise said there 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 are multiple interpretations of this film. There's many yeah. ways you can view it.
0: Like what I was thinking was this the club they were at in the beginning made me almost think like this was gonna be some weird like ritual where he's making a body double for himself. Mm. But I don't I don't think
1: that's no. what
0: it's supposed to be. But it's just so frustrating, and it's 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 a fun kind of frustrating because it's the type of thing where I like to pull on this string, and like you're thinking about it days later, and you're really just like I, I don't know how to interpret what he's telling me. Yeah, and I feel like he's
1: doing that to me on purpose. <laughs> I mean, it definitely is, but I also feel like that turns a lot of people off too. Like I know people who didn't like this movie as much because of that really open interpretation that you could have.
0: Right, and um, especially now with, and we've talked about this before, and it makes me sound like, like fucking old man Martin Scorsese, Marvel movies aren't cinema. You know, Star Wars, Marvel, everything gets a backstory, and we don't always need a backstory, and stories don't need always always need a clear resolution. Like, they just don't. It's not, it's, art is subjective, and it's okay not to like it, but also, like, you kind of need to grow up and know that you don't need to be spoon-fed what things mean to you.
1: Yeah, Totally.
0: Um, I like, I'm looking at uh, just the synopsis right here uh, while we're talking. And one thing that I, I, if you want to look at it from the uh, split personality angle is uh, when Anthony like busts into Adam's apartment and he's like, oh, I know you're pretending to be me and like fucking my wife. So we're going to switch identities and I'm going to fuck your girlfriend. I mean, if they are one person, I mean, he's technically right. (laughs) You know, he is fucking his wife, but like, (laughs) you know, it's funny.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, I I think one, I think the actor side kind of represents his kind of like his bad characteristics of the character. Like, yeah, yeah, that he obviously likes to to cheat and go against his wife and not be faithful and all that. Um, And and, yeah, and the other one's like kind of like his, I don't know if you say good, but his reasonable (laughs) side. Um, and yeah, and they're kind of just like battling it out of which one is going to be most present in himself. There was
0: part of me at first thinking like, oh, maybe twins separated at birth, adopted or something, but that wouldn't explain why the mom gets the careers mixed up, gets the career mixed up,
1: you know? Yeah, no, there are definitely intentional things to make it seem like it's the same person. And I think... Denise didn't say it in this QA, but I think I've heard him say it before that this is supposed to be like a subconscious, like to uh, one s- single person. Okay. Um,
0: yeah, I'm um, just this part right now. He actually goes to ask if it's a twin brother that she never told him about. And that's when she says um, she's just proud that he has a respectable job, a nice apartment and it was a good idea for him to stop being a third-rate movie actor.
1: Yeah, and the mom in the beginning of the movie, in, the, in like a voicemail she leaves, says he has a shitty apartment. So. Oh,
0: yeah. but uh, So something with that, which the, uh, the, uh, the teacher does have a shitty apartment, but that m- could also be like when he was an actor, he had a crappy apartment, and he was yes. just internalizing that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it yeah. also could be maybe he had like a little bit of fame and then kind of died down and uh, right. resembled as a teacher instead after his acting career didn't take off
0: from what being te- bellman number three. <laughs> oh. Um, another thing about the teaching is um, they talk about, he talks about his his classes as a history class, mm-hmm. and he's doing this lecture over and over again about dictatorships and control and history repeating itself and you know he's he's literally repeating himself and another person is losing control and it's spy it's he talks about how dictatorships at the end tend to spiral and he's himself is spiraling completely out of control
1: yeah i had i've i have read a lot of uh, interpretations um that deal with like imperialism and a bunch of other things like that can you tell, give a little bit more about that? I, I don't. That. I didn't. I didn't read into it that much, but it is out there. I can send you it after. That, that's some great podcast prep, there, man. <laughs> Here's this really well, can,
0: interesting idea about this movie. I forgot.
1: <laughs> it wasn't interesting enough for me to read on because I have another oh. interpretation of it. Okay, I see. I but this is um,
0: for me. Like, I don't particularly have an interpretation of it. Honestly, I my. Favorite thing with this movie is to talk about how other people see it. Yeah. And because when I've, I've seen it twice now and I, I just can't nail down a perspective that I can see it from. Like, it's just it's mind boggling to
1: me. So I, time. I have two interpretations, okay. um, but they involve the spiders. Can we get to the spiders? Well, OK,
0: <laughs> we'll move the spiders up. Um, okay. That's honestly probably better. But, but so before the b- the spider thing that I wanted to lead off with, just my favorite spider. Let's let's do our favorite spider. Can't be the last spider. Come on, The last one's the best. Cannot be the last spider because the best spider is the one over the city of Toronto that yeah. looks really fucking daddy long legs. And like s- like it's like smoky almost. Oh, mm-hmm. that's when I was like, oh okay, I see how we're now getting to Arrival and Dune and stuff
1: like that yeah and also this is my second time watching it i noticed so many more spider themes throughout like he Mm -hmm. he does a lot of um tracking shots of wires in toronto like just the street wires and they resemble webs spider webs you see the crack in the window and the car crash resembles a spider web there's a lot more like webbing and, and, and like spider themes that i noticed visually throughout Keep saying spider. I'm gonna start talking. No way home. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Spider Man was in there, um, creeping.
0: Yeah, I've read uh, in this the trivia stuff about how the wires are, you know, intentionally shot to seem like a web around Toronto mm-hmm. and the cu- the windshield. Um, but I don't. It, it. I saw one time he said something about it representing femininity. But yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand how. So
1: that that's kind of one of my interpretations. This is the one okay. that I think is the most popular, which I read online, um, is that spiders do represent women in a way, or right. almost about like the fear of commitment and like cheating and being faithful. So like the woman with the spider head in the hallway that walks down. Um, Jake, I think Jake is feeling trapped in his like web yeah. of yeah. marriage. Um, and like, he's, he's afraid to like fully commit and like be, cause the, uh, his wife is pregnant and they're having a kid and he, he's afraid of that. And I think that the whole movie is kind of like him battling, being like faithful to his wife and then going out and cheating, which he cheats with the, um, the other Jake's, uh, girl. He also goes to that sex club and dungeon. And I, I think the the place in the beginning when we get to that sex club and we see the the lady squish the spider i think that was him just like being completely unfaithful like not caring about women at all just doing what he wants cheating and whatever and then we kind of see the spider kind of grow and loom over him the entire movie and start getting bigger and bigger and he's getting more trapped and trapped and he's trying to to kill that off which he successfully does in that car crash when he when he kills that version of himself and he's like i'm over this cheating and not being faithful i'm gonna I'm gonna go to my wife and i'm gonna stay with her but then we get to the end and we see that that key which is the key to the club and we see him like revert back to his old ways and as soon as we see that happen that's when she turns into the big spider at the end and when he walks into the room she gets all afraid and scared and like pushes back against the wall cause she kind of realizes what's about to happen. And cause he's like, I'm going to go out tonight. And I, I think this is him kind of like reverting back to his old ways and saying that he's like never going to change.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, what I was, I remember, this is just a, a little tangent. Um, doesn't she say the wife says something like, I thought you said you were done with that girl or something to Anthony
1: yeah, and she also says she's... Oh, sorry. She also oh, go, go, go. says like when um he's talking on the phone to the other Jake and he's like, "Are you cheating on me again?" Like I think I think he has a past of cheating, which is again resembling that theme of not being faithful.
0: Um I was wh- I well what I was going to say was, do you think when she says that girl, do you think she means uh Mary?
1: I don't know. Maybe cuz I don't know if she knows what's happening at that point yet.
0: Well, no, but I'm I'm saying like obviously if he is one person and it's not it, well, this is a very I, I don't know. This is, it, it, he's got two personalities and one of them has a girlfriend. The other one has a wife. So technically he is like cheating on the wife or cheating on the girlfriend however you want to see it. Mm-hmm. So maybe like some wires are crossed and like she's seen him with Mary before and it's I don't know. It was just a thought. Um it's very weird though. It's it's yeah, know, and another, yeah, and another
1: Yeah, and I think I think it does have to deal, deal with like the fear of commitment and cheating being faithful, especially like the sex club in the beginning. Like I think it just makes the most sense of like this character afraid to, to start a family and commit to a relationship and and then at the end we just see him almost get there but then revert back to his old ways um but another interpretation i had which is kind of more generic um and vague i don't have as much details about this one but i think the spiders also represent kind of like fear and anxiety and like being afraid uh-huh. to like take that next step almost or like completely like changing her life like you can see like one of the jakes being like him being comfortable in his old ways and then the other one kind of being this new scary version of himself that he's looking to like go towards but is afraid to and the spider is kind of resembling that as it gets like bigger and bigger throughout um so yeah i thought that was an interesting way to look at it too the
0: plot synopsis on IMDb, which is a uh, you know fan written uh, they don't have actual people on staff writing these, but uh, with the very big spider at the end, and he says, It says, Adam wakes up the next morning looking very content. He leaves the bedroom and opens the letter with the key inside. He knows mm. it's a symbol of his cheating nature, yep. and he is unable to resist. He calls to his wife, telling her he plans to go out for the night. When she doesn't answer, he goes to her room, but Helen is not there. It's a giant room sized tarantula cowered against the real wall. Adam, with a resigned look, sighs. The movie ends with a shot of Adam. His expression isn't that of someone who is scared, rather someone who knows he must come to terms with the fact that he is no longer free to give in to temptation. Yeah. So it's making me think somewhat that you're—I mean, you're right. I think you're—you're you're right about the it representing femininity and the cheating nature and stuff. But it, the optimistic side of me w- wants to think that like him ho, probably hallucinating that spider, the giant spider <laughs> is him being like, okay, yeah, that part of me is gone. That part of me is dead. I need to be here.
1: Hmm. Yeah. You could see it in that way, but I feel like the spider, he she wouldn't appear as a spider if that was the case. But yeah, I, I see the point with no, the I'm, at sa- the end I'm, being like, I'm okay. saying that's what, yeah,
0: I'm saying that's what made him realize that. Yeah. Like he took the key out and then he was like, I mean, we can't see if she ends up turning back into a human, even right, though she right. doesn't really turn into it. It's just how it's portrayed in his brain, mm-hmm. I think. But him, it could just be like him just being like, "Ah, oh, fine." There's a lot of ways that side yeah, could be taken,
1: totally. And I, I think that fits more with like the spider representing fear and anxiety too. Like him being comfortable in this like new setting that he's in, right?
0: God. God damn! Why won't he just tell us? I'm I'm so upset. <laughs> yeah, he, also he said
1: in the the Q and A he was very adamant about it. Is that he's never going to say what the spiders actually resemble?
0: I also just said that um, <laughs> I just said like not everything needs to be explained to you. But uh, I he can he doesn't have to tell me what's going on actually with Adam and Anthony. He just needs to tell me what the spiders mean. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no i I like the open interpretation it's it's kind of refreshing in a way because we don't get a lot of those um and it sparks debate it's it's fun to talk about with people like you said but uh oh
0: wait this is i'm looking at the trivia sorry this says the the scene where adam goes to meet anthony in a hotel there's a board which reads free satellite but there's only one l when and satellite, which is spelled with two normally, and so it says it's supposed to show that it's the same person. Instead of a double, it's
1: a single. Wow. I mean that's kind of a stretch, but I, I uh I respect the fact that they, they went that out with during like set design and prop design.
0: I mean, yeah, like you know, it's and you're a filmmaker, you know, um everything's there on purpose. Yeah. Right?
1: Um, another fun fact to add to that: um, all the shots in like the hotel, the house, the apartment, any indoor shot was a fully built set, which mm-hmm. is pretty crazy. I thought it was all like on, done on um, on location, but no, it was all set. They had like lights. And especially for the scene where they film both of them in the same shot, both the Jake Jones in the same shot. I was wondering how that was done because I'm like, no, because usually when they do doubles like that, it has to be done on a robotic arm because that's how you get the exact same movement and you do it twice. So then you can just input the other character in the same scene and it's the exact same movement. So you don't notice anything like that. So I was yeah. always curious how they got a, a huge robotic arm inside this like tiny little hotel room. When they were doing that shot, but it was a set, which makes total more sense. It was really cool. They're able to control everything, which is awesome.
0: Yeah. All right. So I think we briefly touched on this already, but it's kind of, I mean, looking at it, it's a little weird to see that this, the beginning of this career, if you look at it, I, this turning into arrival blade runner and dune i think three m- of modern sci-fi movies that people really love and are really iconic to a lot of people uh starting you know, this the way it did in the, for him for his career it's it's a, it's kind of a long winding road it almost seems like
1: yeah but i feel like it also this i feel like the scale kind of grows with each film Yes. Um, like enemies, definitely his smallest. The film before it, Incendies, I think is how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, that one is actually kind of big budget and was it was pretty big. Um, but I, I think it, he it was a foreign film. I think it was backed by a lot of foreign production companies. Um, but yeah, it's starting if you're starting with enemy, like I guess a little bit more mainstream. Um, enemy was very small, but you can also see him playing with scales, like you said, with the big spiders and like the aerial shots in the city. Um, Prisoners we do see get a little bit bigger. You have more a, a star-studded cast. It deals with like more uh, deeper themes, I guess. Um, Sicario definitely gets a lot bigger from there, mm-hmm. um, and then then yeah, Arrival is huge. Deals with like existential. Blade Runner gets even bigger, and then Dune's even bigger than that. Like he keeps getting bigger and bigger, which is kind of crazy.
0: Uh one of the most interesting things to me is that people were or studio execs producers were able to see it in him yeah like going from uh I mean enemy to Sicario even though the scale is expanding but then saying yeah go make a rival like that's a big jump it is but prisoners did very well uh critically right no, no 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 I I know but I'm saying like trusting him who who wrote Arrival? I forgot
1: uh I don't know it's not him
0: it was Eric uh, heiserer, and it was based off a uh, story called Story of Your Life written by yep. Ted Ching. Yep. And so that is I, – I guess the screenplay probably had to be written with the intention of a large amount of scale with these ships. And knowing, or knowing that he would be able to execute this vision so well is – a really heads up play by the people who you know booked him to who got him to do this movie and then move, even moving on to Blade Runner 2049 he had shown that he had pretty very solid sci-fi chops and but it, even then this is like it gets like inter not planetary but does it go interplanetary it does no, go interplanetary. interplanetary no blade runner they got yes, a different planets. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, going from a it, it's uh, that. In well, itself I think is what helped with scale. Blade
1: Runner, what helped with Blade Runner, is Arrival, w- w- got nominated for Best Picture and got Oscars, and I think that obviously boosted him a, a lot, and studios trusted him more after that. Mm-hmm. And I think Blade Runner, they gave him a lot of leeway with Blade Runner. Blade ended up not doing that well box office wise, even though it did super well critically. And I think that's why with Dune, it was hard to get it made. Like he, he was very, uh, he stressed that like it was, it was very hard to get Dune made. And that's why he couldn't make part one and two at the same time. Um, but now I think that Dune did do so successfully well, critically and um, with box office. I think he's going to have free reign for a while. It's going to kind of be like Nolan. we going to give him what he wants.
0: You should uh, – I, I I just checked his IMDb uh, page and director stuff. He's got Dune Part Two in pre-production, The Sun, which is a TV miniseries in pre-production. Mm-hmm. He's got something called Rendezvous with Rama, which has yep. been announced. Based off a
1: sci-fi book.
0: Right. A Cleopatra movie. And a Dune TV show all being made right now.
1: Is that Dune TV show confirmed?
0: The it's on IMDb Dune the Sisterhood.
1: Yeah, but IMDb sometimes lets stuff go even if it's a rumor.
0: Uh, I don't know, man. But either way,
1: he's still got he's got a lot coming up.
0: It, it I feel like a Dune TV show. I mean, if he wanted to, he could do it. Uh, he's
1: probably if it does end up happening, he's not going to be directing all of them. He'll probably direct a no, pilot. No, but he'll
0: take a producer credit.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, either way, very exciting. He, he's definitely getting a lot of free reign to do what he wants.
0: Um, I love Denis Villeneuve. Um, I think he is uh, obviously a top filmmaker of our time. I think his artistic vision mm-hmm. is his mind is insane and his we've talked about it with dune but his, just his eye for scale is amazing and his ability to structure a story even one as convoluted as enemy or one that's well i guess none of them are really
1: super straightforward dune kind of is i guess dune has flashbacks but and flash forwards yeah he he's he's it's a little bit
0: like uh a... Christopher Nolan, he likes to fuck around with time. Blade Runner 2049 is kind of a confusing movie. Um, Arrival, time is all over the place. That's a fucking jump rope. That's inside.
1: why we're doing a head-to-head Denis Nolan month. That is. Um,
0: I think, uh, I, I mean, I love Arrival with all my heart. Um, we've talked about it before on here. I think that's one of the first movies that we, like like a, came out like I think when we had first met each other online and that's one of the first movies that we really talked about a bunch together.
1: Yeah, I mean that that's the movie that got me super into Deni too.
0: Yeah, same with me. Um and it's we'll, we'll we'll I have a theme like week at least for uh, us to talk about something like this, but that's around the time where I started paying super close attention to movies and who makes them and stuff cuz i think arrival mm. was one of the ones where i was like whose brain did this like <laughs> what like what is going on like i had already like i had started with like you know the quentin tarantino type stuff i was like okay i'm starting to understand directorial style and artistic style and you know so and like christopher nolan stuff i i started with that very early on i think cuz dark knight Uh, and those movies helped introduce people to that, and Inception was very big at the same time, Um, and so that helped a lot of people start to recognize his style, and then Arrival made me perk up and be like, okay, maybe I need to like check out, like like, get a lot more into this, I think. I think that's what made me really start caring about all this stuff, because I always loved movies and had tons of fun talking about them and stuff, but I never really knew this Arrival, I think, is what made me want to start analyzing them, almost.
1: Nice. Well, shout out to Nee. Yeah, I mean, and
0: uh, w- we very well could end up doing Arrival, so I want to save some of it for the pod. But, like, that is the first movie, I think, where I was like, and it's similar with Enemy, where I was like, what the fuck does that mean? mean like i know what it means but like what's it trying to make you think and feel about and like that's the first movie where i walked away like trying to think about stuff like that like how is this supposed to make me feel what are they trying yeah, to tell it, me
1: it was very impactful
0: it's awesome i love it uh great movie uh great director we're doing christopher <laughs> nolan next week yep we're doing one in one in one out like uh or i guess with directors not directors not with uh <laughs> Not with movies. Um, so we left all of the Dark Knight movies off last time. Correct? Yeah. We had Tenet on there. We did. So, I think... I, I can't remember the exact poll. Do we want to put a Dark Knight on there? Yeah, we can
1: throw it in. We know it's going to...
0: I feel like we know it's going to win. Uh. What if we yeah. do Dark Knight... Inception again.
1: I'm down to do some of his older movies.
0: Well, I was going to say Memento. Yeah. Dark Knight, Memento, Inception, and either The Prestige or...
1: We had The Prestige in the other poll. I Wonder know. the following.
0: I don't know if anybody would know that movie. I think a lot of people yes. consider Memento his first movie.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, that's... yeah. But we could throw the following on there and oh, see what happens. I was going to say the following. Who knows with our fans?
0: I was going to say the following or, and it hurts me to say this, Dunkirk. <laughs> we could do Dunkirk.
1: I'm good with either of those.
0: I would love to do a Dunkirk podcast. Just I know you would. <laughs> that would mean I would have to finish the movie. <laughs> I don't know if I can finish that movie. I can't sit through it. Uh, Let's do it. Let's do Dunkirk, man. If I have to watch it, I have to watch it. <laughs> All right, so it's officially Dark Knight, Inception again, Memento, Dunkirk. I like it. All right. All right, I'm going to go watch Scream. <laughs> I'm so I excited. can't wait.
1: I really hope you scream.
0: <laughs> I, I might. I've never screamed in a horror movie. <laughs> Maybe I will. I
1: don't think I've ever screamed in a movie in general. <laughs> scr- it's, kind of, it's very excessive to scream in a movie. I fucking hollered at No Way Home. <laughs> oh uh, okay well that's cheering that's not
0: screaming i don't know i might have screamed like a little girl a couple times <laughs> very high-pitched scream might have been let out a few times <laughs> i definitely did a high-pitched scream when i like a little girl when i saw that original green goblin costume even though i'd already <laughs> seen it in the trailer it's just oh god it gives me chills every time i might go buy. i might refund my ticket and go see no way home again now that i'm talking about it <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're the only one in the theater. And like you you hear you can when you walk by your theater that's playing Spider Man, you can hear this one guy just going Ah
0: It's me. <laughs> um well and not to completely disrail, but uh Spider Man No Way Home did two million two hundred forty two thousand dollars yesterday. Yeah. So I it's don't still know kicking. If, I don't know if I'd be the only one in the theater. <laughs> um Yeah, honestly, you probably won't be. No. But uh I'm gonna go see Scream. All right. Thank you for talking movies with me again, buddy. I'll see you next week. See you next time.